Well, here we are on another Friday morning. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright, and we've got a bonus edition of the Roadmap Roundup today as we prepare for some great festivities next week, including a Holy Day of Obligation. More on that in a moment. But let's begin our morning, as we always do, with our morning offering in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, many of us across our listening area this weekend, if we haven't already done so, are gearing up for celebrations like Trunk or Treat or Halloween. But most importantly, coming next week, Wednesday, is a great Holy Day of Obligation, All Saints Day. You have to go to Mass And uh, we shouldn't be sad about that. We should be happy about that. And then on Thursday, a beautiful day in the life of the church, All Souls Day, where we pray for all the holy souls who aren't there yet. They have died. They're in purgatory. And uh, one day they're going to be in heaven, and and we pray for them and we remember them. And the beautiful thing is All Saints Day, we're not just talking about the canonized saints, but if you're in heaven, you're a saint. And uh, I I don't want to move goalposts too much, but I'm, I'm just opting for saint. If I can get there as a saint... I have a feeling I won't care if the word canonized is in front of that or not. Luckily for you, as with all roundtables, you don't have to listen to me banter on all morning by myself. We've got in the studio with us Roadmap Roundup veteran from the very first one, if memory serves, Mr. Gabe Jones. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. I'm happy to be back. It's been rare lately. Yeah. Hey. Now, our listeners know this for many, many times you've been on. You are a Knight of Columbus. That's not your Halloween costume. That's something you are in real life. Correct. I don't have to dress up. Just well, you know, you do dress up. You I have a sword dress, and everything. Yeah, I do, but I'm not going to yeah. do it for Halloween. But it's not pretend. You're an actual Knight <laughs> of Columbus. Scary. And you brought two of your brother knights with you, uh, Ryan Lister and Justin Mannion. Ryan, it's good to have you with us today. Thanks for having me. You've been on the radio with us before, not just for our radiothons, but uh, when the founder of the Knights of Columbus, Blessed Father Michael McGivney, was elevated to blessed status, Gabe Jones said, I know a guy you need to talk with about this uh, this wonderful Father McGivney, and turns out that guy was you. It was. Yeah, that was back in 2020 in the olden days. Yeah. At, uh, it's topical, especially this week, since you're talking about Marian apparitions, because the miracle actually occurred at Fatima, of all places. And uh, yeah, we uh, we did that, that uh, radio segment couple years back, yeah. I, I always laugh when I think back to that because we had just been to a high school named after Father McGivney, and I was I was trying to remember their sign. Like, is there enough room that they could just add blessed and it will mm-hmm. fit, or do they have to get a new sign? All the branding. What do you do, you know, for tax mm-hmm. purposes? The school is listed as a corporation, Father McGivney High School. Can they amend that to add blessed? What, what do you, I don't know. But we don't have to figure that out today. Uh, Justin Mannion, not only are you a, a husband, a father, a Knight of Columbus, you are also a former focus missionary. Uh, we talk about those focus missionaries from time to time on the show. We love what they do. And that, Crazy cats. Yeah. You, you love that time in your life, didn't you? Oh my gosh, yeah. The the time that I spent with Focus was some of the the best preparation for my vocation, you know, imaginable. Was able to work with college students in some of the, the most intense parts of their lives. I mean, really where they're experiencing this great turmoil, also experiencing great fruit. So yeah, the, the time as a Focus missionary was just able to spend a lot of time with college students, walk with them, enjoy time with them. It's a very... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? It's well, I'll a very tell you what. Well, formative period of their life. 
Formative is a good word. We're going to give you all the time you need to find some more words because we're going to take a break here to get a check of the weather in our Saint of the Day. From Mike Roberts, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. Today is the feast day of St. Maria Bertia Boscarden. Born in Italy in the late 19th century, her baptismal name was Anna Francesca. One of her priests saw holiness in Anna and suggested she give her life to the Lord, which she did at the age of 16, joining the Sisters of St. Dorothy of Vincenza, where she was given the name Maria Bertia. In her second year, Maria was sent to Treviso to study nursing at the hospital run by the Sisters of St. Dorothy. Initially, she was assigned as a kitchen aide, but eventually she served in the children's ward with those who had diphtheria, who were very ill, and who had mental illnesses. Maria would go on to serve the whole hospital. During World War I, she was fearless in her care for patients in spite of the fact that the hospital was often the target of bombing. Maria had a devotion to St. Therese of Lisieux's Little Way, which was her constant guide in her ministry. She developed an inoperable tumor and died on this day in 1922. Huge crowds attended her funeral, and after her death, many miracles were attributed to Maria. With numerous family members in attendance, she was beatified in 1952 and canonized in 1961. St. Maria Bertia Boscarden, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven on this Friday morning, October 27th, and we're so grateful to have with us Ryan Lister, Justin Mannion, and Gabe Jones for a special edition Roadmap Roundup on the last Friday of the month. And we'll be back with you next Friday on the first Friday for another Roundup. Uh, This morning, Justin, I want to kick things off with you talking about evangelization. You are a former focused missionary. You said that prepared you for where you're at in life now. And, uh, you know, sometimes I think we all get this misconception. I've been guilty of it. I don't know if you other gentlemen have. That evangelization, oh, well, that's father's job, or that's sister's job, or that's the guy that works for the parish. That's his job. That's not my job. My job is just to go to church. My job is to go to Mass, bring my wife, bring my kids, and sit in the pew. And I, I have, speaking of October saints, I think Pope St. John Paul II, he would disagree with what I just said, that evangelization is not my job. What, what are your thoughts on this? Who, whose job is evangelization, Justin? Oh, the the clergy, absolutely, but it, it is quite literally the role of the laity, us as men and women who are, whether we're in our vocations or not, the Lord has entrusted each of us this great call to evangelization. You know, first and foremost, we're called to, to make sure that we've got ourselves straight, but uh, he, he gives us the gifts and the opportunities to, to be his instruments every day. So, you know, as I think back to my own time in college, I was a pretty much normal run-of-the-mill college student. I lived uh, very much the, the college life and, you know, you think about the fraternities and all the stuff that so many of the college students are dealing with today. I was living that life, and it was because of a focused missionary who was willing to have a, an intentional conversation with me that I really came back to, to know the Lord through our beautiful Catholic faith. Now, that's an important point. It was an intentional conversation. It wasn't necessarily a street corner preacher out there saying, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you about the power, which no disrespect to that, because I love hearing some good preaching. We play a lot of it here on Roadmap to Heaven. But we're, we're talking about being a witness to the faith that that missionary had and saying, Justin, 
can I have a little chat with you here? And that's something that each one of us could do. I think that's important to remember, Justin, actually, is like that that conversation was born out of a relationship and it wasn't a program. Right. Sometimes with evangelization, I think sometimes we think it has to be a program. I have to have something set up and established. I have to sit down, have my notes prepared and everything. Sometimes it could just be, hey, I know you and there's a something going on, whatever it is. We need to talk about this. And it yeah. could be with somebody who's not Catholic, somebody who is Catholic, who's struggling, whatever it looks like. But evangelization can take a variety of forms. Yeah, and when I, when I think about you know, how the focus model, if you will, of win, build, send evangelization, it starts with that basic friendship, that basic relationship. You find common ground, and you try to build a relationship with somebody. I mean, that's what Jesus did, right? So he started by going and meeting the masses, and he did do that. He preached on the street corners. He preached to the masses, but then he also had that smaller group of people, those 12 apostles that he invested deeply in. And that, those 12 spent years with him, learning from him, communing with him. And then it was through those 12 that the, the, the three really came, Peter, James, and John, where he invested so, so deeply in them. And he taught them how to go out and do the same thing with other people. So, you know, in, in the sake of my life, you know, Dave, who was the one that helped me to come know the Lord, he taught me how to go and do the same thing so that when I went out as a missionary, I was leading Bible studies. I was mentoring men one-on-one with the goal of them going out and doing the same thing. It's this idea of spiritual multiplication. You know, I, I think back to when a friend of mine was first a uh, focused missionary, and he came home from training, and he said, oh, we had this great— I, th- I want to say it was a Dominican priest who said, there are two ways to train the mule, the carrot and the stick— Today will be the stick. And uh, I never heard the rest of the talk. I go home and I, I might use that with my children sometimes, especially when they haven't cleaned their rooms. There are two ways to train the mule, the carrot and the stick. And uh, they're like, Dad, we want the carrot, so we'll clean our rooms. Okay. Um, but sometimes I, I bring that up because a lot of us haven't gone through that training. Now, those of you in the Archdiocese of St. Louis, I know that right now there is actually some really great training going on. Brian Miller, former focused missionary, and his team uh, are, are hosting all of these workshops where they are teaching you how to do this, how to go out and have these conversations. Because, you know, as they've said, it's not just about programs or classes or events at the parishes. It's in the one-on-one human interactions face-to-face with your friends, the other school parents, your neighbors, whoever it may be, that evangelization is going to happen. So aside from the useful saying I use with my kids, what's one thing you learned in your time as a focused missionary that empowers you or that you would share with our listeners to say, just try this one thing? You, you want to go out and spread the faith? Here's one very simple way you can do that. Well, we have so many relationships, so many friendships in our natural life. If indeed we have been transformed and if indeed we have come to know Jesus as our own personal Lord and Savior, why would we not naturally want to share that with the other people in our lives? So my my biggest encouragement would be the people in your lives, whether it's family members, whether it's people that you work with, don't be afraid just to have a conversation, whether it's sharing your experience of going to Mass on Sunday, whether it's sharing you know something profound that maybe you talked about with your spouse. Just the willingness to have a conversation about the things that are indeed most important to you. You know, I know uh, several of us here, we work together, and yeah, we experience a lot of things in our, our workplace, but we are also willing to share our lives with one another. We're willing to share what's going on in our marriages, what's going on with our kids. And, you know, so much of being a Catholic man, being a good husband, a good father, is being willing to take counsel and 
having those conversations. I, I think of our phone conversations sometimes, Gabe, where we just do uh, that very same thing where it's, you know, I had this insight today. God blessed me with this little small insight on a what to others might seem like a trivial matter. But to me, it, it really meant a lot today. And I identify with those characters in the gospel. You know, you talk about Lexio Divina and putting yourself into the gospel. Uh, the OK, don't tell anyone what I just did is what the command that Jesus gives. You know, I, I you've been healed and he looks at you and says, no, don't tell anyone about this. And their first inclination is to go and tell every come see this guy that did this thing for me. And even the one guy, they're like, well, did, is he this? I don't know, but he did. I was blind, and now I see. Well, did he come from here? Does he have these credentials? I don't know, but I can see now. I, I know this. I couldn't see before. Now I can see. And even in those little things, you know, we might not all have those uh, gigantic moments, such as a miraculous cure from blindness to being able to see. Um, we have that opportunity to share with one another. You know, this happened today, and I'm really grateful God blessed me with it. And I just wanted to share it with you because I thought you might appreciate it. One thing you might appreciate is a break here, so we're going to take one when we come back. We'll continue the conversation with Justin Mannion and Gabe Jones and Ryan Lister. Uh, The phrase coming up starting next week, but really every day in the life of the church, memento mori. We're going to break that open a little bit. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. A prayer to the Archangel Gabriel. O blessed Archangel Gabriel, we beseech thee, do thou intercede for us at the throne of divine mercy in our present necessities that, as thou didst denounce to Mary the mystery of the Incarnation, so through thy prayers and patronage in heaven we may obtain the benefits of the same and sing the praise of God forever in the land of the living. Amen. I had a teacher in high school walked into the classroom and one day he had a replica of a human skull. It was, to the best of our knowledge, it was not an actual human skull, but a replica of a human skull on the desk. Yeah, I don't know. We were studying Shakespeare, and that had everything to do about it. But then when I got deeper into my Catholic faith later in life, I went into someone's office, and they had another replica of a human skull, and just a little banner in front of it that said, Memento Mori, remember that you're mortal, remember death. Death is coming for all of us, just like taxes. Uh, It's coming for all of us. It's something we all have to do in life. And it's it's one of those things, you gentlemen, in, uh, you know, I, I think back to the founding of the Knights of Columbus. You had all of these immigrants coming to the United States. A lot of them were working very dangerous jobs. We, we didn't have the labor protections we had. You know, like, oh, it's all right. Just uh, tiptoe on that, that steel beam above the smelt furnace. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> you'll, you'll be fine. And, and bad things were happening yeah, to people. Uh, so you have this priest, Father McGivney, that says, well, we need to take care of people. Um, when they lose the husband in the household who's bringing home the income, and now the kids are having to go to work or, or the, the family is living in destitution because the, the provider, the breadwinner, is unfortunately out of the picture. I think even in our current culture, in the secular culture, we, we think about those things like, okay, if something were to happen to me, especially I, I just turned 40, it's like, am I in order? Do I have everything in order? Life insurance, will, testament, who's going to take care of my kids? What kid gets what? Where Am I taking care of my parish? All of that. Um, I, I think most people agree like, yeah, we have to have those considerations. What I fear is that, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard that joke. Here's a, here's a free Halloween joke for you. Uh, Guy gets a voicemail from, uh, or he gets a phone call from his doctor's office, and the doctor says, oh, good, I got you. Uh, I'm so glad you answered the phone. Doctor, what's going on? Well, I, I got, I've got, i got bad news for you, and I've got worse news for you. The bad news is the test results came back 
you've only got 24 hours to live. Well, doctor, if that's the bad news, what's the worst news? Oh, we got him four hours ago. We just didn't see him on the facts. <laughs> but that's the kind of thing. Um, if, if, if that happened to me, someone said, Adam, tomorrow's it. Tomorrow's the day. We don't know. But if someone said tomorrow's the day, I, I can only imagine I'd be preoccupied with what are all the things I want to tell my children that I haven't told them, that I really don't have a good reason not to have told them other than maybe laziness or whatnot. Ryan, you're a dad. You're a husband. Do, do you ever think about? Kids. Do you ever think about these things? Like, if tomorrow were the day, are, have you said everything you want to say? Have you passed on everything you want to pass along to your children? Yeah, you know. So, I mean, you, you look at it from like kind of two perspectives. You look at it from spiritual needs and from temporal needs. Um, I actually had an experience last year where I was in St. Paul, Minnesota, and actually I almost died. My skull got cracked open, and the lovely gentleman Gabe Jones got in the ambulance with me and took me to the hospital. And uh, for about an hour and a half there, we didn't know what direction it was going to go. Um, but I can say that, you know, you know, as far as, you know, the financial needs of my family, we have five kids and a stay-at-home wife. Uh, there was a lot of concerns of if I don't make it home. And, and I had a lot of peace because I knew that I had taken care of those needs. And um, a friend of mine who is in the same field as us, he got diagnosed with brain cancer a couple of years back. He actually had a seizure at Mass on Sunday. And, uh, you know, he said the same thing. The first thing kind of ran through my head is, is my family going to be okay? And it's interesting because, like, it's not about the money, but it's always about the money in, in that aspect of things. So there, there, there was a real peace of mind knowing that those things were taken care of. But, you know, additionally, you know, what happens to the family? What messages left unsaid? What things did we not impart or wisdom that we offered? When it comes to, you know, planning for kind of the, uh, the, the end of our life here on this plane, you know, we often talk about, you know, what legacy do you want to leave behind? And I believe it's an old Roy Rogers quote uh, that said, you know, a, a man who dies without adequate life insurance should have to come back for a day and see the mess he's made. But if we do, you know, hopefully earn that sainthood and spend our time in heaven, we are going to have to spiritually see what we left behind. We're going to have to see what our legacy is. What did we do with those that are still here? We've had Kristalina Everett on the show before, and we talked about, uh, you know, those uncomfortable conversations that you really don't want to have with your kids, but you need to. Things about, you know, when you grow up, your body's going to go through some changes. You're going to start thinking about people in different ways and this and that and the other thing. And I, I don't think any parent's like, well, I can't wait to have that awkward conversation. But she made the important point. Like, look, if you don't have it with your kids, someone else is going to. Mm -hmm. And you have no control over what someone else is going to say. Um, Ray Garendi, another regular on our airwaves, he's been, he was on Roadmap to Heaven recently. And he made a point of saying the same thing. Like, if you don't discipline your kids, in fact, we were just talking about this the other day with him. If you don't discipline your kids, someone else is going to discipline your kids. So, you know, Gabe, you've got boys, and, and your boys are, are wonderfully rambunctious in that good way. Um, but are you sure about that? Yeah, oh, I, I, I love hanging out at the Jones house. They offer me cake every time. I don't know if they offer you all cake, but they offer me cake. Um, do you ever ponder that? Because I know going back to when each of your kids was in the womb, in uh -huh. your wife's womb, yep. you were going to Mass on a daily basis praying yep. that they would have a provided for and happy death. Yeah. But what about you? That, well, that didn't occur to me until like the third one. But no, yeah, so the first two were the out first of luck. Two, like whatever, but no, but yeah, I was praying for them, you know, during before they were even born, just that they would have a, a holy, happy life, you know, that just God would provide for them, and you know, here's this person coming into the world, and I have to take care of him. So if nothing else is praying for me to have the grace to raise this child, but yeah, I remember going to mass at the shrine of Saint Joseph actually, and they have up in the corner of one of the little archways in this in the shrine, a skull and crossbones, and above the skull and crossbones is actually a butterfly talking about death, right? Death and resurrection and all that stuff. So that hit me in that mass thinking, wow, I need to actually sit here as a dad. It's part of my responsibility to not just provide financially for my kids, but to then 
do all the things spiritually necessary to help them get to heaven, including pray for their death. Because I probably will not be around when that happens. And so I won't be able to help them in that moment. But I can do everything now spiritually to pray, to ask God, ask St. Joseph to be there with them. And I think, Ryan, you were talking about the financial needs, right? We, you know, it's, it's easy to kind of get into those things. Those, those have numbers, right, attached. Oh, I can do this, this, and this. Great, easy. It's harder sometimes to have those spiritual conversations and think about the spiritual side of things. But I think if we start with the temporal, we can then move into the spiritual. Well, speaking right? of the spiritual, too, you know, there, there's going to come a time where we're all going to have the great accounting, you know, of our life, if we will. And it, it, today it's not as simple as dollars and cents, but, you know, we, we've, been giving, we've been given a lot of blessings. So we're going to have to answer to what did we do with them, right? What did we do with our time, talents, and treasures? And some of the greatest treasures we have are our children and our spouses. Did we lead them closer, closer to Christ? You know, what, what will that accounting look like when that time comes? Right. It's, it's kind of humbling in a way right, yeah. to think about. I, I had a really good friend in college, uh, and her dad, every night he'd get home. He, he was a milk driver for the dairy, and he got up at 3 in the morning, went to work, drove the milk truck all day, came home. You know, coming home for him, I think it was like 2 or 3 in the afternoon, and uh, he'd eat an early supper, and then he'd go downstairs to his computer, and he'd just start typing his memoir, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, not that he was going to plan on being a New York Times bestseller, but he had two daughters, and he wanted them to have all the stories that, you know, maybe he shared some of them with him, maybe he hasn't. Uh, and that really struck me. And, and from time to time, I do that. I go and I, I write down, you know, letters to my children of things that in the, un, in the event something would happen to me that we're not planned for, that we're not ready for. Here's stuff I may have told you, I may not have told you, but I want to make sure I pass it along to you one way, shape, or form. But I think, you know, practical things before we go to the break here, are you making a daily examination of conscience? You know, and, and if that's turning up something, are you acting on it? It's one thing to say, okay, well, yeah. You know, I know last week I, uh, I watched that movie and I, I need to go to confession. Or uh, I know last week I said that thing about the other person. Or uh, I saw that delicious lunch sitting on Gabe Jones's desk and I, I just took it and I ate it because it looked really good. But then it, recognizing, okay, I've done something wrong and saying now I re- I'm sorry for it and I'm going to go to confession. It's going to be a lot easier to do if you're making a daily examination and then following through and getting, especially in cases of grave sin, uh, getting to confession as soon as is reasonably possible. Uh, Number two, perhaps we talk a lot about the midday exam on the show and at lunchtime stopping God. Here's one thing I'm thankful for today. Here's one area where I need grace uh, from today to help turn my day around. Maybe make a list if you're a list making person to say, all right, here are things that I've been wanting to tell loved ones for a while that I just haven't found the time and it hasn't been you know, the right time. So just make the time. Stop waiting for the time. I'm going to make the time to share this with those and perhaps write some things down a, a when I die file. Like these are things I want to make sure that you always know, uh, kids, wife, husband, whoever it may be. Um, and, and have that ready to go. I think just as we talk about the importance of having that temporal planning done and letting people know, uh, here's the plan, by the way, here's who you call, here's who you need to contact. Um, here's everything else that I want to make sure I share with you. And it might be just two sentences at a time in a journal. It might be pages at a time. I don't know. I do know this. We're going to take a break. Uh, all week long, we have been visiting, revisiting segments that we taped with Doug Barry. He was live on the show a few years ago. Um, 
about marrying apparitions in the last hundred years. Talk about getting ready for death. There's a lot of turmoil in the world. That's a theme that's been pretty consistent as Mary has been appearing for the last hundred years. What's her message? Well, today we're going to hear about Our Lady of Cabejo. So uh, stay tuned. After this break, Doug Barry will be with us. And then after that, we will wrap up our panel discussion here. A prayer for the gift of wisdom. Great is the wisdom of the Lord. God Almighty, your wisdom includes an understanding of what is fair, what is logical, what is true, what is right, and what is lasting. It mirrors your pure intellect. I entreat you to grant me such wisdom, that my labors may reflect your insight. Your wisdom expands in your creations, displaying complexity and multiplicity. Your wisdom is an eternity ahead of man. May your wisdom flourish forever. Amen. We are wrapping up a week of talking with Doug Berry about marrying apparitions of the past 100 years, and it brings us to our most recent one, Our Lady of Cabijo. And Doug, this is an apparition that more and more people are hearing about, but for those who don't know, what are we talking about today? You know, Our Lady of Cabijo in Rwanda is, it's a little more known than maybe the last time we talked about Our Lady of Coapa, Nicaragua, or even Our Lady of All Nations we talked about a few days ago in Amsterdam, but Our Lady of Cabijo in Rwanda is one of those that resonates with a lot of people because of the Rwandan genocide that took place many years after and was actually prophesied by Our Lady when she appeared to these, these three teenage girls in the 80s. Now, it starts with Alfonsine, Alfonsine, a young teenage girl, uh, 1981, approximately is when this begins, and Our Lady appears to her. She's mocked and ridiculed and the very there's so much to Rwanda, so much documentation on it, but we'll keep this brief. She eventually is joined as a visionary by one of the girls that was mocking her extensively. She all of a sudden starts to see Our Lady, and then a third. Now, there were a few others that claim, but they've never been approved as being authentic, but these three girls were. And in this time period, people are seeing miracles who are coming to the apparition sites. Now, one of the miracles that they see and goes back to Fatima was the miracle of the sun. People were seeing the sun in the sky with their eyes and it was not damaging their eyes. Now, I, I wanted to make mention of that on this last one that we talked about this week, because this is something that is a bit of a theme through several others, not all of them, but several others, people will say that they would see the miracle of the sun. Now, what's very interesting is that people today still see it. And as all my talks I give around the country, I can be in a parish anywhere, a conference somewhere, and I can ask the question, raise your hand if you want to admit if you've seen the sun. We're middle of the day somewhere, you look up and there's the sun and your eyes aren't burned. Sometimes you see it darting around a little bit. Sometimes it looks like it's vibrating with this incredible intense energy. And people have seen colors coming off of it. Some have described it as a gold color that comes around it and comes down to the ground like a handle as if it's a monstrance. And almost every single time, Adam, all over the country, there's half dozen hands that go up. People are still seeing this sun for some reason. Well, they saw it in Rwanda during the time of these teenagers. Now, Our Lady warned that man was going a very dark route, turning his back on God. But she says, I still see faith in Rwanda. That's why I'm here. However, Rwanda also will have to suffer if they do not repent. Fast forward, 1982, a couple of these teenagers see one particular vision that is terrifying. It's the vision. Um, there's thousands of people there at the moment. And it's a vision of war. They see people being brutally murdered. They see so many bodies murdered and thrown into the river of Rwanda, the main river that runs through it. They refer to it as a river of blood. 
as they were crying out, why are they doing this? We see trees exploding, things are burning. Why are they chopping? Why are they chopping? Now, after this, no one understands what it means. 12 years later, the Rwandan genocide breaks out. 1994, when the president of Rwanda's plane was shot down in April of 94, and for 90 days, this explosion of civil war between the Tutsis and the Hutus devastated to the point uh, between, they estimate, 800,000 to a million lives lost and many, many, many more tortured, brutally raped, sexually beaten, assaulted, uh, babies cut out of the wombs of their mothers. I'm sorry to be so graphic, but the audience needs to know that Our Lady prophesied this, if man does not repent. This is the theme, and I think you had mentioned this a couple days ago, if we choose to live a life without God, and we say to God, we don't want you in our life, in our country, in our family, my personal lives, relationships, you will get what God, what God gives you. In other words, he says, if you want me in your life, I will be there and I will do everything necessary to give you order and peace. But if you don't want me, I'll let you have what you'll get. And that is a life without me. A life without God it has one, one trajectory and it's chaos. Apart from God, it's chaos. That's what happens in Rwanda. So when Our Lady appears to these children and shows them this devastating genocide that would happen, and it does 12 years later, she also makes clear, though, in these messages, this is not just for Rwanda. The messages in general, she doesn't say specifically the genocide, but she does make clear this message of conversion is necessary for the world, not just Rwanda. So you could look at this as a microcosm event that could potentially come to the whole world if we're not very, very responsive to her urgent call for conversion. And again, one of the key pieces of this is confession. Another key piece is the rosary. I can't emphasize that enough because Our Lady has emphasized this. Sometimes people would say, Doug, you talk too much about this. Ask mom about it. Okay, ask our Blessed Mother. She's the one that keeps coming with these same messages over and over and over again. Pray that rosary. You know, Doug, but here at Covenant Network, we like to say that we are sustained by the Eucharist and strengthened by the rosary. And, mm. and I love this last point you brought up today, because so often I think people make the error of, of saying, well, why is the Blessed Mother saying God's going to punishment by doing these things? And you, you've made it very clear. It's not that God is stepping in and committing these atrocities. God is saying, if you don't want me here, then I'm going to allow what's going to happen to happen. This is man committing these atrocities. This is the darkness that can overtake our souls if we don't go to God through the sacraments, through the rosary, to ask for that actual grace to sustain us in that state of sanctifying grace so that we don't descend into this chaos. But when we say, God, we don't want you to be part of this, Blessed Mother, we don't want you to be interceding for us on this, they will let us have our way. And yeah. that's a very scary proposition. Yeah, that's exactly right. I use the analogy of the, the physical immune system of the body. If I don't take care of my health, even reasonable health, eat decently at least, my immune system becomes depleted. It gets weak. The weaker my immune system, uh, I can't fight off sicknesses and viruses and whatever may come my way. But the healthier my immune system, then I'm in much better position to fight off those, those things that would attack my body and the immune system at the immune system level. Spiritually speaking, our spiritual immune system is very depleted in this world. Approximately 20% of Catholics in America, according to surveys, are not going to mass faithfully, which means Sundays and holy days of obligation. Now those numbers vary, but it's around 20 so you've got an enormous number of Catholics, and I'm sure other denominations as well, that are not going to the source of grace to the best of their ability and knowledge. And we Catholics know that source of grace, Eucharist, 
and, and receiving our, our Lord, holy sacrifice of the mass faithfully, following that, that third commandment to get the mass and so forth. All of these things, if we're not going to confession, if we're not receiving the Eucharist, if we're not doing these things faithfully, our spiritual immune system is dangerously weak. So with that in mind, when the attacks of the world, the flesh, and the devil come, how do we withstand that? And it's exactly what you said. I can choose to eat right and exercise. And if I do, I'm going to be healthier and stronger. My immune system is better. If I choose spiritually to eat right, then God's grace is provided. And I am much, much more capable by the grace of God to fight off those attacks. But I have to cooperate with that grace. And this is where it boils down to our ladies' warnings are constantly saying, cooperate with my son cooperate with this message of conversion. I will be there to help you. I will hold your hand and walk you to the gates of heaven and bring you to my son. That's all she wants to do is point the way to her son. But if we don't cooperate, it's not going to happen. And God will let us have what we ask for. And all she's asking us for, friends, is 15 to 20 minutes a day praying that rosary. Specifically, that's what the Blessed Mother is asking us for. Doug, this has been a fantastic week learning about these very important messages. Thank you for being with us. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate the chance. Prayer for Vocations God, our Father, who wills that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of your truth, we beg you to send laborers into your harvest and grant them grace to speak your word with all boldness so that your word may spread and be glorified and all nations may know you, the only God, and him whom you have sent. Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of the Americas, and Mary, Mother of the Franciscan Missionaries of the Eternal Word, pray for us. It has certainly been a, an interesting but fun and pleasant edifying conversation i i dare say having these wonderful knights of columbus and gabe jones with us in the studio no you're wonderful too gabe i come on here just so i can get mortified i know like in a good way helping each other grow in virtue right exactly i think i told you this my mom my mom knows dan vonderhaar the other original roadmap roundup Uh panelist and for the first couple weeks she'd be listening and she's like oh are you gonna have dan and that that other guy on and i'm like you mean gabe she's like yeah that other guy you know and you were just known in parlance around her house as that other guy but i'll take it Hey, if you can, humility, right? you know, that would be like if, if, say, leaving the studio today, God forbid you're all hit by a bus, it could be, it could be St. Ryan Lister and Companions. St. Ryan Lister and Companions. Lowering that bar. I mean, I will take (laughs) in Companions. Let's just be very clear. If if, (laughs) if in Companions is what gets me into heaven, uh, being associated with saintly people that just bring me along, I'm taking it. I'm I'm not going to complain. Coming off that, Adam, you know, we work together and, you know, when, you know, I, I offer to help grow them as professionals, but kind of the counterpoint I make to them is the agreement here is that you're going to help make me a better Catholic. You know, so we are the collective average of the five people we spend the most time with. So hopefully helping each other grow in sainthood. And as, you know, Gabe and I, we, we call it iron sharpens iron in the office, but we frequently let each other know that we're helping each other grow in virtue. And, and I think that's important, especially nowadays where it's really easy to let stuff go and not challenge each other to be better people and help each other grow. Yeah. The problem is, Ryan, that we both have five kids, so we're the collective average of our five kids, I think. Oh my. That happens That's from time scary. to time. <laughs> so maybe it's going to be St. Justin Mannion and Companions. We, we, we don't know. We don't know. Well, I want, to, I want to wrap up with this. You mentioned you both have five kids. I have five kids. Justin, how many kids do you have? I have two kids. Oh, 17 ga- kids between the four of us here. That's a lot of kids. And, and that's a lot of candy next week as well. So yeah. a, a couple of celebrations I want to talk about. Uh, let's go in chronological order here. 
Halloween, it started out All Hallows' Eve. It was uh, literally the vigil for All Saints' Day, which we're going to celebrate on Wednesday. It has been taken over by the culture in many ways, although we're not going to give it up. We still own it. But you see the, the stores that sell the cheapo costumes. You see the stores that sell the expensive costumes. The candy's been out since August. How do you hang on to the Catholic roots of this with your family? Because I'm not going to tell, you know, I, I have chosen, Beth and I have chosen not to tell our kids, you can't go trick-or-treating, but we have set some limits. Like the one daughter is like, I want to be a witch. And I'm like, no, you're not going to be a witch. You know, we're, we're, not, we're not dabbling with that. Well, it's just innocent pretend. No, we're not glorifying that. That's, I, I'm drawing the line there. Another mm-hmm. kid said, I want to be a traffic con. I said, absolutely. She goes, I want to wear butterfly wings with us. By so all means. Our, okay. our six-year-old is going to be a, a butterfly traffic con. But what do you guys do to, you know, help keep your kids grounded as you go into these really religious celebrations that have been in some ways taken over and, and twisted by the, the secular culture? I think the first step is to actually just be willing as a parent to have those conversations. Right? So sit around the dinner table. We had this, this came up not too long ago. One of my kids asked something about the, the, the icky stuff, right? The, the, the ghouls, the goblins, the blood, the gore, all that stuff. And we just had a conversation about what is Halloween, All Hallows' Eve, so on and so forth, and explain like why we celebrate it. We don't make it scary, right? We, it's scary in the sense that you know, maybe we die outside of a state of grace, right? That would be the scary part of it as we remember death. But ultimately, we tell our kids, hey, we're going to dress up, right? Let's have fun. But remember why. Why are we doing this? We're doing this for the next day, which is All Saints Day. And we're trying to emulate those saints. So we dress up as other people in a way to emulate other people to remind us we are trying to emulate saints. Are you going as Father Michael McGivney this year, Gabe Jones? It's a good idea, but no, I'm not. Okay. I went to St. Philip Neary once, but I, I hadn't grown the full beard, so I couldn't shave half of it off. We were thinking actually about I, I Love Lucy and Ricky. Oh, and, Andrew was actually Father Michael McGivney a couple years ago. For, oh, yeah? Yep. Like we said, the, the better lister is among us. No, I just, he's, I'm just he's kidding. a good dude. I like him. Justin, what about you? Uh, you? You know, you got the little ones there. You and your wife are navigating some of this uh, in many ways for the first time. Um, how are you trying to keep the anchor points to our faith in the midst of Honestly, all this? Honestly, haven't thought too much about engaging, you know, engaging with all this, at least with our kids yet. Uh, but the one thing that's coming to mind is realizing that there is actually a spiritual warfare element to our lives as Catholic men and women. Uh, and uh, if, if it's okay, I will share a brief story because earlier you were you were talking about uh, have we shared the stories that we want to with our children and our family members. My dad shared a story with me, and this will be public now, but uh, his father, my grandfather, I never met him, but he passed away on the golf course. So good way to go, I suppose. But my father was with him in his dying moments. He had a very serious heart attack. And my dad is not one to publicly share his faith, not one to publicly Um, share stories or anything like that, but he shared this very real encounter with me that when his father was laying there dying, he experienced quite literally otherworldly creatures coming around, and it was like this almost demonic experience. And before, before his father breathed his last breath, they disappeared, and he saw an image of Our Lady. She said, he's mine now. And, you know, Say what you will, you know, th- there's, there's a lot of skeptics out there. I believe my dad's experience. I believe that, you know, indeed that kind of stuff does exist and that does happen. So, I mean, when we're in this conversation about Halloween and Memento Mori and all the scary, icky stuff out there, like realizing that, yes, like there are some very serious forces at play. The, the evil one does want all of us with him for eternity. But thankfully, the good Lord wants us with him even more. So 
Yeah. I mean, I've, I think of it with my wife and I as our kids have gotten older and trying to say how, how much are we loosening our grip for them? You know, our, our son last year was the first year we let him go with his buddies and go around the neighborhood. But we said, listen, you're taking this phone with you. He didn't have a cell phone at the time. Uh, you're taking this phone with you. If I text, you answer. If I call, you answer. And if I have to call twice, you come home, even if I have to drive around the neighborhood and find you, which, by the way, the phone allows me to do. And your friends have parents who can do the exact same thing. So there is no hiding, right? But even at, at Trunk or Treat, one of the things we're always conscious of at Trunk or Treat is you get there early to set up your car, and the kids are thinking, oh, it's Trunk or Treat. We want to run around. Not really cognizant of the fact that there are still cars coming onto the lot. So what do we do? It's like you can you don't you don't have to hold her hand, but you have to stay close. And I bring that up as that image of the blessed mother. You know, you want to stay close to mom, so that if there is peril nearby, if you're intentionally staying close to mom, odds are a lot better she'll be able to grab you and say nope, and and yank you out of trouble. And and more importantly, that God the Father, who is even more powerful. You know, the blessed mother is a great intercessor, but God the Father is God now and at the hour of death. Amen. You know, and uh, that he can be like, no, he's under my protection right now. So uh, the errant car equivalent of spiritual warfare, you know, God the Father's like, nope, uh, we got you here. Leads in, we're running out of time quickly here. Uh, the next day after that, All Saints Day. And, you know, it's tempting for the kids to be like, all right, candy, 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 sugar coma, we're good. They don't even think, and we're off school. If we go to a Catholic school, we're off school the next day. It's like, yeah, but the reason you're off school is because there's a communion of saints that we're celebrating today, all the ones that aren't listed on the calendar. And uh, how do you make that a priority, especially when you're worn out from all the trick-or-treating and the the, uh, the sugar and whatnot? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of it comes back to you know having a conversation about how they all got there, right? Because very few of those stories come from a you know a fun and joyful place. Usually, it's you know sadness or controversy, and you know in many cases, a uh, pretty rough passing. You know, somebody so, got their head cut off. You know, whatever. Yeah, a little bit of that, a little bit of that. <laughs> you know, and. Kind of comparing that back to, you know, the, the trials that we deal with, you know, now today and how do we help bring ourselves to sainthood? How do we live that life? How do we honor them, you know, in those experiences? Because it's, it's easy just to say, well, yeah, they're saints, you know, we celebrate them, we, you know, we're excited to talk about it, but how, how'd they get there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't like that sometimes we hold our, we hold people of the past to the standards of today. And, and sometimes I use it to make an excuse like, well, you know, saint so-and-so, they didn't have it as hard then as we have it today. And that may be, that may be true, but... They probably had it as hard then as it had ever been as it had ever been in their lifetimes. You know that, uh, as a good friend of mine says, just as we're the contemporaries of our day, the saints were the contemporaries of their day. So yeah, their their struggles and challenges by today's standards might not seem like a lot, but by those days' standards, they probably were huge and insurmountable. And if they can be holy, we can be holy. Right. You've got indoor plumbing, yeah. got indoor plumbing and air conditioning, All right. heating. Lightning round here. Day after that, All Souls Day, do you do anything in your homes to remember those family members, those loved ones, those friends that have gone before you that you want to pray for? I know several places it's customary to put up pictures or to have, uh, we, we get a postcard from my high school every year, send in your list of names, and they have baskets at the foot of the altar of all these names that have been sent in for prayers in the Purgatorial Society. We have gone to the cemetery before. Um, it's not like a regular every year tradition, but sometimes we'll go to the cemetery. What do you do when you go there? Say prayer specifically. So the one of the local cemeteries is where my father-in-law is buried, so we'll usually go with Grandma, you know, or my mother-in-law, to say a prayer for him. And Grandma and Grandpa are now there too. So, yeah. a tradition that we do, but I would like to start and continue on with our children is praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet. That's a, a great prayer to be able to pray on All Souls Day because those that have gone before us, some of them might still well be in purgatory, and they need our prayers. They need our prayers. 
You know, we had someone in, uh, I, I want to say it was for one of our radiothons, they were talking about how they do that, that uh, in addition to going to Mass or funeral Mass or having Masses said for the deceased, they pray Chaplet of Divine Mercy for the deceased. And they send notes like, I prayed my chaplet today for this person because God transcends time. So if you're praying for his mercy, he can he can apply that, you know, perhaps before their death, give them that grace, final conversion before they die, you know, that we might not have ever known about. But again, God transcends time. And just how powerful is that, the, the Divine Mercy Chaplet? Uh, you know, St. Faustina tells us that if if you pray this prayer at the bed of a dying person, it would be as though they said it themselves. And oh my gosh, the power that that prayer wields, you know, to be able to truly say somebody is going to be entering into eternity soon, and for us to be able to utilize this prayer, I mean, the Lord's given it to us, so let's no, pray it. The prayer of St. Gertrude, I believe, as the releases a thousand souls from purgatory. Yeah, very powerful tools at our disposal for this time of year with all souls. Indeed. We are going to take uh, one final break here to get you another check of the weather and our daily dose of encouragement. When we come back, we'll be wrapping up the Roadmap Roundup. Don't go anywhere. The Memorari to St. Joseph for the Sanctification of Families. Remember, O most chaste spouse of the Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who implored thy help and sought thy intercession was left unaided. Full of confidence in thy power, I fly unto thee and beg thy protection of families. Despise not, O guardian of the Redeemer, my humble prayer, but in thy bounty hear and answer me. Amen. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. This has certainly been an inspirational week as we have learned the stories of saints who were children. And today we wrap up our week. Patty, what saint will we learn about today? Well, we keep getting farther and farther along more and more modern saints. And today is a blessed, a blessed child, blessed Carlo Acutis. He was a 15-year-old computer whiz who died in just 2006, so very recently, of leukemia. And he was just recently beatified in 2020, and he is considered the first millennial Catholic saint. He was noted for his cheerfulness, computer skills, and deep devotion to the Eucharist. Carlo Acutis was born into a wealthy Italian family, May 3rd, 1991. Neither of his parents was religious. I find that very interesting. Neither one of them was religious. They worked in London and in Germany before Carlo was born. The family then moved to Milan in September of 1991, not long after his birth. Both parents began working in their family businesses, and Carlo was cared for by various nannies. He went to the Jesuit high school, was an average student, but he liked to read and do independent study in areas that interested him, including computer science. He also taught himself to play the saxophone. Outside school... He did volunteer work with the homeless and destitute. He also liked films, comic reading, and playing PlayStation video games. Now think about that. A saint who loved PlayStation video games. I love that detail about him. On the social side, Carlo would worry about friends of whose parents were divorcing, and he would invite them to his home 
to support them. He defended peers at school when bullies mocked them. And he would sometimes see friends fighting and would then invite them to his house after school to help them reconcile. He also spoke up for girls who were being whistled at or harassed and told the boys to stop. When he was 14, his parish priest asked him to create a web page for his parish. And after this, a priest at his high school asked him to create a website to promote volunteering. Then Carlo applied himself to creating a website dedicated to cataloging each reported Eucharistic miracle in the world. He wanted to use the media to evangelize and aim to do it with the website. So Carlo launched the website in 2004 and worked on it for two and a half years, involving his entire family in the project. It was unveiled on October 4th, 2006, only days before his death. But he was not able to attend the debut of his exhibition in Rome because he was hospitalized. He had leukemia and he was diagnosed with a form that was given no chance of recovery. His quote, I think, is beautiful. He said, I offer to the Lord the sufferings that I will have to undergo for the Pope and for the church. And when doctors asked him if he was in great pain, he said, there are people who suffer much more than me. His final words to his mother were, Mom, don't be afraid. Since Jesus has become a man, death has become the passage towards life, and we don't need to flee it. Let's prepare ourselves to experiencing something awesome in the eternal life. And Carlo died on October 12, 2006. He was 15 years old. Now, it was Carlo's final wish to be buried in Assisi. So one year after his death, his body was transferred to Assisi Cemetery in accordance with his wishes. When his body was exhumed, it was found to be incorrupt. In memory of Carlo Acutis, Bishops have helped to organize a traveling photo exhibit of all the Eucharistic miracle sites. It has been translated into 18 different languages and has traveled to dozens of different countries across five continents to over 10,000 different places, including churches, congressional palaces, youth clubs, and welcome centers in different countries. So in addition, his exhibit was present at the canonization of Francisco and Jacinta Marto in Fatima, Portugal. Carlo is an example to all of us, but especially to young people, to use the gifts and talents God has given us for the good of the church, to spread the gospel, and to be creative. So if you're good at art, put your art in the service of God. If you're good at computers, use your skills for the good of the church. If you are good at sports, drama, music, dance, and yes, even playing video games. Find a way to combine it with your faith. Everything can be used by God, for God and for the good of others, and to bring joy to the world. So get out there and transform the world by using your gifts and talents, just like blessed Carlo did. To always be close to Jesus, that was his life plan. Make it your life plan as well. And even if you're not great with computers, you can share this inspirational story and all of these stories from this week with a friend by sharing the Daily Dose of Encouragement podcast or emailing them a link to our webpage at ourcatholicradio.org. Patty, thank you for this wonderful week of inspiration here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. Well, we are back, and we're wrapping up here in the final minutes of our bonus Roadmap Roundup, Halloween, All Saints, All Souls, Memento Mori edition. Triduum of the Dead. Triduum of the Dead? Is that what it's really called? No. Yeah. But you learn something new on Roadmap to Heaven every day, don't you? 
And you usually not for me. Uh, well, you know, every once in a while when I'm on, I, I share something profound. Yeah, well, that's why we keep having you back, Gabe Jones. Uh, I, I want to leave you with this. Uh, we, we talked earlier, and we've kind of mentioned this in passing, the, the whole idea of preparing temporally for your death, whether that's uh, insurance or a will and testament, or in many cases, both. Um, we've been doing a new podcast with Roadmap to Heaven once a month called Deeper. Back in September, we had Father Michael Rainier on to talk about the poetics of the Mass. In uh, this month of October, last week, we just posted it, Sister Marisha Weber talking about screen addiction and why you can't put that phone down. And these are long-form conversations. Well, for November, I'm really excited. We've got a retired financial planner. We've got a, a major gifts officer talking about the temporal side of that. And then we have a wonderful priest of the Archdiocese of St. Louis talking about preparing liturgically and spiritually. And especially if your kids no longer practice the faith, what can you do to make sure because I don't know about you gentlemen, but if, if my kids all end up becoming heathens and leaving the faith, I, I still want to have a funeral mass when I die. Um, I, uh, God willing, that's not going to happen, that they're going to become heathens, but you never know. So you'll, you'll have to watch for that on the Roadmap to Heaven podcast. Just subscribe, click like, share, and we post those once a month, those long-form conversations. But th- this whole episode today has got me thinking about, you know, not only what are those things I want to share with my family before I die that maybe I, you know, just in case I need to start sharing now and, and stop holding back. But also, we, we talk about the importance of planning, you know, that the, you train for the moment that you need the skill. You don't start training when you need the skill. Justin, you brought up praying the, the chaplet, and my parents are getting older, and I don't have any inclination or an indication that, you know, this week or this month or this year even is the time they're going to pass. But more and more, we're thinking about that, and I think that's a great idea. If we're gathered in the hospital, all right, Beth, let's be ready on that day to uh, pray the chaplet of divine mercy at the bedside. Let's let's make sure we have what we need that if the kids are there or family members that might not know it, we just pull out the little prayer cards and say, all right, it's in, it's in the ready bag. Let's go. So yeah. there you have it. All right. Well, as we wrap up today, we're in the final moments here. Favorite saint that you're going to remember this year on All Saints Day can be obscure, can be mainstream. And uh, this year, I, I am enjoying the image of St. Wilgerfortis. I don't know if you know about St. Wilgerfortis, but she was a professed virgin and her dad, her uh non-practicing father wanted to marry her off to the king. She prayed to God for some deliverance from this, so the Lord enabled her to grow a very impressive beard. She's actually the patron saint of beards. And uh, as a result, uh, her suitor did not marry her, but that's that's an obscure saint. It's like, you know, you go to God and you ask God, give me this grace, but sometimes you got to be ready for whatever he's going to throw your way. You only have the faith the size of a mustard seed, right? Or the size of a beard, you know? (laughs) Gabe Jones, who's one of your favorites? Uh, I think I've mentioned this before. Uh, St. Roderick is one of my favorites. Um, I forget all the particular details of his story, but basically he was a Catholic priest in Spain when the, the Moors you know, ran Spain. And he had a brother who was Muslim and a brother who was agnostic, I believe. And they like drugged him or something. And I don't know, it was this whole crazy story of how they tried to get him to renounce his faith and ended up martyring him because of it. So very interesting story. I think can be inspiring for us today. All right, Ryan. Ryan Lister, favorite saint. Now I'm going to stick with Blessed McGivney. I think it's. I think that's what we're going to go with. We're going to pray up for that canonization because I don't think it's that far away. All right, Justin Mannion. Well, our our daughter, our second child, Lord willing, will be here any day now, and we are naming her Josephine Joy. So certainly Saint Joseph, but also we'll be uh, remembering Saint Josephine Bakita. Yeah. 
newest parish in the archdiocese to get a new name is going to be named after St. Josephine Bikita. Ah, it was just announced a, a week or so ago. Well, it's hard to believe another hour has passed us by, gentlemen. I do want to say a few quick things here. We've talked about Focus Missionaries, and if you want to learn more about evangelization, we cannot remind you enough. Check out seek.focus.org. We are going to be at Seek 24 in downtown St. Louis, January 1st through 5th on Mission Way. Come see us there, but more so, come get some rock star training on the Making Missionary Disciples track on how you, an adult, not just, this isn't just for college students, it's for everybody. You, as an adult, can go out there and evangelize. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Queen of all saints, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. I'm Gabe Jones. I'm Justin Mannion. I'm Ryan Lister. Thanks for listening to Roadmap to Heaven this morning, and as always, pray your rosary today.